everyone. This is Stephanie Krupsack with the Person and Planet podcast. I just wanted to add a quick note that James Davies, our podcast guest, is no longer employed at Bubbler Bikes. He has moved to a new role in the community, but we felt this was such a great episode. We wanted to share all the content with you. So please enjoy and we'll continue with the episode. With me today, I have James Davies. James Davies is the executive director of Bubbler Bikes, Milwaukee's nonprofit bike share operator. James received his law degree from the University of Florida, Levin College of Law, and his bachelor's degree in genetics from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. During his time at Bubbler, the bike share system has grown from nine stations in downtown Milwaukee to 109 stations across Milwaukee, Wauwatosa, and West Allis. James also developed and secured funding for the Access Pass to provide free Bubbler passes to income-qualified individuals and the Adaptive Bike Program, which has adaptive bikes integrated directly into the Bubbler system. Last year, Bubbler added electric assist bicycles to its fleet, as well as installing 15 new bike share stations. This year, Bubbler is adding 200 more electric assist bicycles and installing another 19 bike share stations. In 2001, James was named the Milwaukee Business Journal 40 Under 40 list. James also serves on the board of the North American Bike Share and Scooter Share Association and provides volunteer legal services through the Marquette Volunteer Legal Clinic. James enjoys reading, running, and biking. So thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So let's get started with a little bit about your background in bike share programs and product circularity. Yes. So um, I've been with Bubbler for almost nine years now. And what has always attracted me to bikes is the component of sustainability, um, among other things. But uh, the it's the most efficient way to travel. It's environmentally friendly. It's low cost, like low impact uh, production for the bike itself when you compare it to a lot of other transportation modes. Um, and then with e-bikes, even with e-bikes are very efficient in terms of like their production life cycle. Um, but there's always room to do better, right? There's always room to, to make the efficient things more efficient and more, more sustainable. Um, so not just Bubbler, but the entire bike share ecosystem has adopted a shared battery recycling platform um, so that they're all using the same lithium ion blend. One of the issues that can happen in terms of efficient lithium recycling is that different companies will use different proprietary blends and they're all using a bl or the same blend or close enough at least that it can all be recycled in the same stream. Um, and the cost of that recycling is built into the front end of the battery cost. So at the end of the battery's life, it's free to recycle. Um, and so BikeShare is the only like battery ecosystem that has that. And I'm very excited that BikeShare is continuing to lead the way in sustainability. Yeah, that's amazing. So how many different bike share companies are part of this conglomerate? I am not 100% sure how many, but I th it's all of the ones that operate in North America that okay. I'm to my understanding, as well as a ver most of the like retail e-bike battery folks are also opted into that same standard. Okay, that's great. So how does it work then? So if you have a bike that's been on your fleet for, I think it's four to or five four, to 10 years? Four to five years. Okay, yeah. for the battery. Yeah, so then how is our does, goal. Okay, <laughs> that's our goal. great. <laughs> we only launched them last year, so oh, we'll okay. see Perfect. We'll see what happens, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, um, so you probably haven't sent one back then We yet. haven't yet. Okay, yeah. but then you would send it back and then they would send you a new one in return and it's wrapped in the price, as you mentioned. Yeah, so, okay. yeah. so when we That's signed great. up, when they, they rolled out this program, um, like a few months before we actually even had e-bikes, mm -hmm. but I knew that they were coming. So we signed up, they sent us this whole like welcome kit okay. <laughs> with like instructions on how to send back mm -hmm. the batteries. 
um, and how to request uh, special containers if the battery's damaged. So if the battery's just dead but not damaged, mm -hmm. you can just mail it back. Okay. You have to label it properly, um, yeah. but you can use regular mail. But then if the battery's actually damaged, uh, you can still recycle it, but you there's instructions for requesting specific containers mm -hmm. to ensure the safe transportation of that battery. Okay. So send us that whole welcome kit. We've got it on the shelf ready to go Perfect. as soon as our first battery needs to be recycled. Yeah, well that's great because otherwise it would just become trash, right? If there wasn't a facility that could separate the different materials and... Yeah. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And and just the fact that there's at this will be at scale just because they're all mm -hmm. opt onto the same thing. So there's also efficiencies there, even if they were all recycled at like 200 different sort of streams yeah. in, a, in a lithium recycling facility. Um, just the fact that all of these are opting into the same standard is going to increase the efficiency there. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you think Tesla is doing that yet or thinking about doing it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, they should follow suit. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I love love to hear that. So really interesting. So as far as bubbler, so what would you say, or how do people use bubbler mainly in the city of Milwaukee? So we, based on user surveys, mm -hmm. uh, so when, whenever someone returns a bike, we ask them like a sort of 10 revolving questions. We change it okay. out every year. Um, but so based on those, about half of our trips are exercise, recreation, or fun. Okay. Um, which is fine with me. We all could use a little exercise, and especially during the during the pandemic. Um, but then the breakdown of the other trips, um, we've got a lot of folks that use it for like errands. I think that's about like twelve to fifteen percent. Obviously, it changes year over year. Another like ten to twelve percent that use it for um, like social type things, like going out to eat, uh, going to get coffee, stuff like that. Uh, there's about fifteen percent that use it to get to work. Uh, about 5% that use it to connect to transit, and then there's like 4% that use it to get to school. That probably doesn't add up to 100, uh, <laughs> but those are the rough rough mm -hmm. numbers, and it, and it obviously varies year over year. But. Yeah, that's quite a variety of usage. Yeah, so. yeah. And I know last time we chatted, it was, I think, right after Summerfest, and yeah. I know that <laughs> is a crazy time, right, that yeah. many probably use them to get to Summerfest instead of taking an Uber or walking. Right, yeah, mm -hmm. during Summerfest or any of the, like, Summerfest especially, but all mm -hmm. of those uh, lakefront festivals, um, we see a lot of usage, um, folks using Bubbler to get to to that. We've got a number of stations that are pretty close to the Summerfest grounds, so okay. people use those to get there a lot. Yeah. That's great. So if you are using the bike, you can pull up a map and see where the stations are. So, okay, I'm going to go here, then you have to drop it off at one of the select locations? Yeah, yeah, we okay. are a dock-based system, so the, okay. the trips have to start and stop at stations. Mm -hmm. um, and with the app, the B-Cycle app, you can see where all the station locations are. You can also pull it up on our website. Uh, there's a map there that shows you all the locations. The cool thing about the app is it does show you how many spaces are available at the stations and how many bikes. Uh, if you're just traveling alone, you almost never run into an issue of a full or empty station. But if maybe you got a group of six people, you, you could get to a station that only has like four docks. Okay. Because um, we do watch the system and balance it. Um, but a big group might might overwhelm it, especially mm -hmm. during like a festival or something yeah. like that. Um, but then you can also see on the app where the e-bikes are. So if you definitely want an e-assist bike, you can see that on the app and see how many mm -hmm. there are at the different locations. So you have regular standard bikes and e-bikes. Yep. Okay, yep. that's great. Okay, very cool. I know I have yet to try them. I'm sorry to say, but I would really like to. I'm a big walker. I love walking everywhere, but definitely want to try the bike. So we'll have to get out sometime. We will. <laughs> and try them. So, 
Uh, another thing that you mentioned last time we chatted, the Savvy Cycling Program. So tell us more about that. Sure. So Bubbler's a nonprofit, and our mission is to make sure that we're a sustainable, excellent bike share system for all. We understand that that all is something we'll always be chasing because there's always going to be different barriers. Um, but we have a number of different programs that are aimed at sort of overcoming the barriers that people might face to using the system. Um, so one of those barriers is, is sort of knowledge or, or experience. Um, so whether it's that the person feels uncomfortable interacting with the app or interacting with the kiosk or um, they feel uncomfortable riding a bike in the city, mm -hmm. the Savvy Cycling classes are what we have to overcome those issues. Um, so at the Savvy Cycling classes, we show people how to use the system, how to adjust the bikes. We've got our bikes are sort of one size fits most uh, model, um, but so you can adjust the seats pretty significantly. But if you've never done it before, mm -hmm. we walk people through that, show them how to check over the bikes. Um, we maintain the bikes regularly, but anything that's out in the world, things can happen to it. So make sure that the bike has got full tires and the brakes work and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, show them how to check out the bike. And then we do some skills, like how do you look over your shoulder without twisting your handlebars? And, uh, how do you make a left turn on a busy street? Um, and then we do a little ride together. Um, and everyone who comes to those classes gets a free helmet. So, oh, great. You know, okay. Yeah. That's really cool. I know that even myself, not even riding a bike for two years, um, I when I did, when I was living in Germany last year, I was a little bit, not scared, but I was like, okay, I, I was not comfortable driving one-handed. But by the time, you know, you know, a couple of weeks went by, I was... You know, one time I remember I was biking and I had an umbrella in one hand and biking in the other <laughs> to the train station. I would not suggest that. But just saying that, if you don't drive for a long time, you get a little bit kind of like, oh, okay, right? It takes a while to get used to it and feel comfortable, especially in the city. Yeah. And and the city's doing, or the city of Milwaukee, especially right now, is putting in a lot of new bike infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But if, you, if you're not used to riding in the city, that could also be unfamiliar to you mm -hmm. of like, well, how do I use this or what do I do here? Um, and so those, those classes can help people feel more comfortable doing that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, especially if there's maybe not a bike lane or a designated area to know what you can do and can you go on the sidewalk or what you should, should not right. do. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah. But I think Milwaukee's doing a better job of getting more bike lanes in. Yeah, absolutely. They're doing a lot of, of great infrastructure mm -hmm. for that, A, helps slow cars down so that even if you're there's not a bike lane that like cyclists, pedestrians, and mm -hmm. people waiting for the bus feel safer. Um, but they are putting in a lot more bike infrastructure and pedestrian infrastructure as well. It's very it's a very exciting time to be, mm -hmm. be here working in bike share. Yeah, that's very good. So what are some of the goals of Bubbler coming up? I know that you have a ton of new stations. You've you have this year that you're implementing, um, not just in Milwaukee, but other neighborhoods too. Yeah, um, so some of the stations this year that we're installing are gonna be at the Milwaukee Regional Medical Complex. Um, so that's, and they're also gonna serve the bus rapid transit line that just opened in June. Uh, so folks could use that, those stations to easily get from anywhere on the bus rapid transit line, uh, downtown, it goes through downtown Milwaukee, out through the Marquette campus and the near west side, and then out into Tosa and the Milwaukee Regional Medical Complex. So I think bike share stations can help expand sort of the service area of that mm -hmm. system that folks could take a bike to the bus and then bus out there um, or get off the bus out there and then use a bike or bike share system to get to where they need to go within the campus. It's a big campus. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited about that. Um, we're also, um, the county is currently doing a study on a north-south BRT line, bus rapid transit line. 
Um, and so we've been talking with them and the city about making sure that there is at least room to put like shared mobility connectors at those stations when they go in. Mm -hmm. um, so that'd be really exciting because that's where they're putting that is about our is at 27th Street. Um, so that's pretty far. That's west of like our main system. So getting a bunch of stations in that area would be exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I know last time we chatted too, it was about different studies of biking per city and health benefits. So maybe you talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, there was a, I don't remember the numbers, but there was a great study that came out of the University of Wisconsin-Madison. A lot of people in like the industry refer to like biking or walking as active transportation because you're active when you're doing that. And they sort of were pushing, we should call it health-oriented transportation um, because it's not just about being active. It does so many things, not just for the health of the person doing it, but also for the health of everyone around them. Like every person who's not driving is fewer emissions in the air that we're breathing, uh, lower carbon impacts that like we're certainly seeing like the health impacts of that now with like the Canadian wildfires and the mm -hmm. air quality alert days that we've had. Um, so it was, they had the numbers in there for like how many, how many cases of diabetes are prevented by like every trip that's taken by bike and like how many cases of asthma are prevented by every trip that's taken by bike. Um, but I think it's really exciting uh, that we're quantifying these things mm -hmm. and being able to show some of these real benefits of that. Yeah, and as your program expands, you know, that Milwaukee will become a healthier city. So that's really great, great to see. And I'm excited to hear more studies about that too. Yeah. What it, what it shows. So taking a step back and looking at all of your experiences, I know we have Madison in common, law school in common, although you finished, I did not. <laughs> um, how did you get to Bubbler? And would you say it was a combination of events or maybe one thing that was a tipping point that made you want to work in this space? Um, so it was a combination of things, I would say. A little bit a little bit luck and happenstance and, and other things. But um, when I came back from law school in Florida, I took the, had to take the Wisconsin bar the bars only offer two times a year. So I basically needed a summer job. <laughs> uh, so I got a summer job working at wheel and sprocket, which is a great bike shop and also a huge, a huge advocate for bike infrastructure and making, uh, biking better for everyone. Um, so I worked there for the summer and I actually, while I was working there, built the first 47 bubbler bikes. <laughs> wow. Um, I think wheel and sprocket don't like, that was like a donation that they made to bubbler. Uh, and, after the summer at Wheel and Sprocket, I was looking for, I was applying to legal jobs like at law firms, <laughs> um, but I, I hadn't I hadn't gotten one yet. And the then executive director of Bubbler Bikes uh, called me up and said, hey, we need a bike mechanic. Um, and I was like, well, not doing anything else right now. So uh, I started there uh, and I'm still, still there. Um, but the reason I worked at a bike shop for that summer before I took the bar is because I love bicycles. Um, I used a bike as my main form of transportation all through Madison and all through uh, law school in Florida. Um, I just think it's the best way to get around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you end up taking the bar? I did. You and did. I, and I passed. Woohoo! Good job. I know not everybody passes on the first try, so <laughs> it's not easy. So took the LSAT, but I never had to take the yeah the bar. <laughs> so I think the LSAT was more stressful. To be really honest. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was because it's it's unnerving because you're like, oh, where am I going to well, get I, in? I, I, feel, and, you know. I feel the LSAT, there's right and wrong answers. And by the time you get to the bar, you realize as a lawyer that there are no wrong answers. It's just about like... The law, and it's always <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just about <laughs> what arguments can you make? And did I use like the right... Did I bring up the right possibilities? And like, mm -hmm. 
yeah so yeah that is an interesting I could definitely see that <laughs> so I guess overall what would you want people to learn and take away from your efforts at bubbler I'd want people to learn more about that we do have choices in in a lot of the things we do a lot of things are very presented as default um, and that can be anything depending on where you are in life um, but so so like most people in the United States will just default to driving. And there's lots of trips where like, that's the only real choice. Like if you're going from Green Bay to Milwaukee, like that's, there's not a lot of other options or there's not a lot of other great mm -hmm. options. But if you look at the trips in the United States, it's something like 40, 48% of them are like two miles or less. And, and so if you're doing wow. two miles or less, like, why are you driving? Like, you should really think about it. Maybe there's a good reason. Maybe you need to. Maybe that's just two miles and then it's a longer trip, right? Or maybe whatever. But I think that we could all do with sort of rethinking some of those choices and not just, just relying on habit for everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that goes for lots of things with sustainability, um, whether it's bringing your own bags to the grocery store or whatever. It just takes that, like, moment of, like, forethought of, like, what am I doing to plan this out and, like, w making a conscious choice. Um, but I think... I think that makes overall your life richer if you are making conscious choices with your actions instead of just like flowing through it. Mm -hmm. No, I, I definitely agree with that. It's just changing your mindset. Sure. Instead of doing what's comfortable or easy, do something that might be maybe a little more, well, not inconvenient, but a little less convenient, but maybe more beneficial all around. Like, for example, when I lived in downtown Milwaukee, I made it a rule that if I had a, a coffee meeting or a client meeting that I could walk to, I would. I wouldn't drive. Like if it was like a mile or two miles away, I would walk there. Yeah. That was kind of my rule. And I, I did a little kind of game with myself where I tried to see how long I could go without using my car. Okay. I lived across the road from a grocery store. I was by coffee shops, by the post office. I went two weeks without okay. driving. Okay. Yeah. And I walked everywhere because I didn't have anything out of town, but sure. like in town, I was able to get everything that I needed. And that was a really kind of good experiment that, yeah, I would hope more people would, as you mentioned, try to try that and, you know, think outside of their daily routine and sure. try something different. Well, and I think, and it's something, I think this is just human psychology. We're always, and even in small choices, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more afraid of what we might lose than like understanding what we might gain. Ah, yeah. And I think that that's like a, just a psychological fact of like mm -hmm. you're more afraid of loss than you are like hopeful for gain, right? Um, Interesting. And so I think you can think you can see it more easily in big decisions, but I think even in our small decisions, we see that of like, oh, like, well, what if I'm a little bit later to this than I thought I would be, or what if this, mm -hmm. or what if that? Um, but but when you do those other choices, a lot of times you do find significant gains. Like when I bike or walk, I'm in a much better mood. <laughs> <laughs> that's true and you're healthier right getting your health a bit and getting your you know exactly. exercise in for the day and when i take the bus i'm generally in a better mood because like i can just decompress or like read a magazine or whatever yeah, and like you're not driving right mm -hmm. and so a lot of times when people talk about like oh well, if i drive it's 20 minutes if i take the bus it's 35 minutes mm -hmm. uh and so like i'm losing those whatever that is 15 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever the difference is like to me i always think about it when i drive i actually lose 26 minutes like i'm having to drive mm -hmm. and when i take the bus or i bike like i am either also doing my workout or like 
like reading some magazine that I wouldn't have time to read at home or at Mm -hmm. work or whatever. And so like, I always see it as gaining something when I do something other than drive. That's true. And then you're saving time not having to find a parking spot, which is hard in a city. (laughs) Well, and that's also another thing. If you, if they look, when they look at a lot of the studies of like time travel, it's interesting because there's a lot of things like baked into like car culture in the United States. Mm -hmm. And when a lot of times they look at, uh, travel time for cars they count when you enter the car door to when you leave the car door but when they do it for other modes they'll count it from when you leave your home door to when you enter the other door and so they like well add like oh, that's not right then. yeah and yeah, so like because okay. a lot of times even if parking is relatively close you've got like the walk or like you've got the time that you're spending like just in the parking garage or, or whatever mm-hmm. and so like there's these weird little things that like are underestimate how, like car trips compared to other travel and like a lot of the like studies that they've done and it's not like it's the same thing in every single study but mm-hmm. if you look at them a lot of them have like little things that you're like wait a minute that mm-hmm. that's cutting off this chunk of time that you didn't cut off for like the bike trip so that's very true and then paying for parking right cost yeah. savings yeah. right yeah. and gas yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly yeah so did you bike here today I actually walked here okay. from my office today, and I took the, I okay. took the bus. I took the I took the, the route fifteen. Okay, from, fair enough. From home, so. I did not. So, but you know, I came from a distance. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> I said to ask. So perfect. Um, so looking at you know Bubbler again, how do you envision Bubbler impacting wellness and the environment in the community? Like, what's your long term vision of that? So my my long term vision. So right now, uh, like we talked about earlier, Bubbler has. 109-ish stations in three municipalities. That's a lot. I really like Bubbler to serve at least the entire county. Um, so right now we're really only serving a chunk of Milwaukee and pieces of West Dallas and Wauwatosa. And like they're they're good. They're, there's nothing wrong with those those areas. But I would just I would like it that we could serve the whole county, um, have stations throughout the whole county. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our new 3.0 docks that we have are a lot more modular. So there are a lot of places that have been difficult to install, like the big blue docks that we have, the big blue steel ones. Um, but those 3.0, sta- 3.0 stations, I think there's a lot of more flexibility in getting into neighborhoods uh, that could help us realize that vision. Um, so I'd like to first do that. And then I think um, MCTS is a great partner um, with us, I think more fully integrating with other, the other transit choices because like Milwaukee is a huge city, like just geographically, if you think about like mm-hmm. the Northwest corner, like is literally in another County. <laughs> and so if you think about those connections, like someone's probably not gonna, it's not gonna, it's unlikely that most people would bike from there to downtown. Um, so uh, having that better integration with other transit modes, I think, and like we, we do have a good integration with MCTS, but I think there's always rooms to improve mm-hmm. it, make it a more seamless connection. Yeah. Yeah, to have like routes mapped out for each that somebody could just say go from one to the next very easily. Yeah, and, yeah. and or have the same, um, like have, have maybe the same app or at least yeah. very, very mm-hmm. seamless like transitions between the apps. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's some, there's like deep links, I think they're called, where it's sort of like within an app, it'll just take you to another app and okay. you like might not mm-hmm. quite know that you actually changed apps. Some stuff like that that I think... Mm-hmm. Um, I would hope to see us figure out. Yeah, or like one payment system. Sure. Like I know, in back to Europe again, like some cities have a separate ticket for the train, for the tram, for the bus, and some have it for all. Like in Prague, one ticket covers everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's great, and it just makes it easier so for everybody. Easier. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it even probably makes the city more money too because people are 
appropriately buying what they need to where they might not know they need something separate especially as a tourist yep that could happen or you know so yeah yeah so i think that there's room for improvement there yeah definitely definitely a good goal so kind of a open-ended question here (laughs) what does preserving the environment mean to you that is a good question what does preserving the environment mean to me um so i think it's interesting when people talk about preserving because i think that that's even a term in and of itself to like unpack of like, Mm -hmm. what are we preserving? Um, And so when I think about like preserving the environment, I think of uh, like keeping some areas that are like wild and and free of human influence. Um, But when I think more broadly about sustainability, I think it's important uh, that we do more to reconnect with the natural world um, because I think there's a lot of, of connections we've lost that I think the overall the sustainability could be more if we were more connected with nature um, and maybe less less preserving and more like uh Mm -hmm. cooperating Mm -hmm. you might have inspired me to change my (laughs) podcast question outline here because no it's almost like the word sustainability sustaining is not enough anymore we need to do more than that we need to regenerate we need to improve so well, well, that's a really got me thinking. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I, on the bus when I had time to, I was reading Scientific. Ah, Amer- I was go. reading. I was reading this article in Scientific American mm-hmm. that was actually about in South America. There's a community of fishers that like uh, fish fisher people, fishermen, fishermen, yeah, fishermen mm-hmm. um, that have like a cooperative relationship with the dolphins, and like the dolphins drive fish into their You're nets, kidding. and oh. they they did these studies and they found that the fishermen that work with the dolphins. Uh, get more catches, but they weren't mm-hmm. sure like exactly what the dolphins were gaining from it. Um, but so they actually recently just finished a study that the dolphins do better. The dolphins that work with the humans do better. And so one of the things the article was talking about is that there's like 17 or 18 of these like documented like human animal like symbiotic relationship type things that happen around the world, but most of them are in decline. Okay. And it's like this cultural knowledge of like living together mm-hmm. and, and working together to both do better. Yeah. Um, and I think that, hmm. that like a lot of that's like indigenous knowledge that we've lost or sort of like paved over. Mm-hmm. So. I really like that. I would really be interested in that article. I would like to include it in the notes for the podcast too, for listeners to read because I would love to read that. And it got me thinking of not just animals but plants too. How, And this just jumped into my head, but my um, cousin's husband is a... He does landscaping, his landscaping business. And he talked about how if you have certain trees over your um, air conditioner unit, it actually makes it more efficient. So just thinking of like how, yeah, you're using the natural environment. You're having trees, which are great for oxygen, you know, capturing CO2 in your yard, but it's also decreasing your energy usage costs if you have them positioned appropriately around your units, around your house. It's really interesting that, yeah, you're right, to work together is better. So we definitely have to redo this question now. So thank you for that. <laughs> so yeah, what does preserving the environment mean to you? Yeah, we'll have to do a, kind of an edit to that question because you're, you're completely right. So thank you for that. <laughs> so back to that on that note, what is one eco or sustainable ritual that you do daily or weekly that you would encourage listeners to try? Making a trip by bike. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that as much as I can. A lot of times I have to, or not have to, a lot of times I end up taking the bus, but mm-hmm. um, if I don't get like at least one bike commute in per week, I am definitely in a worse mood. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sure my family can attest to that. That makes <laughs> so, sense. So yeah. pick a trip, and it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be a long trip. 48% of our trips are less than two miles. Mm-hmm. So pick one that you're comfortable with and swap it out with a bike or a walk. I like that. What are some of your favorite trails in the area that you'd recommend? For so I try? love the Oak Leaf Trail, but the okay. Oak Leaf Trail is like 132 miles or something wow. like that. Okay. So my two favorite parts of the Oak Leaf Trail are specifically the part uh, on the southeast side of the county that goes through South Milwaukee and Grant Park. I love Grant Park. I love that section of the trail. Mm -hmm. And then I also love the section sort of like north central uh, that goes by the the Riverside Urban Ecology Center. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just this like long straight shot. I've been there. That's a nice one. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It used to be part of the Milwaukee interurban system. And so it's this long straight shot where you're like a little bit like down in like a gully and I just think that's super cool mm-hmm. yeah I would say that one is a pretty ride as well yeah. so yeah well we encourage everybody to try them grab yes. a bubbler bike and go, go yeah try it. absolutely <laughs> so do you have a personal mantra or a theme song that gets you into a good place or redirects your mindset to a good place I probably have several mantras okay. um, <laughs> I think. that's good the more the better I think <laughs> uh, like I'd like to think uh I have a problem often of like ruminating on things that are like already over mm-hmm. so a lot of times a thing that I tell myself is like okay James <laughs> that happened and it's over like how can we do better next time instead mm-hmm. of like fixating on like this less than ideal setting mm-hmm. so that one is one I use frequently okay I like that. It's it's very true. Or even just like write it down to get it out and move on you know, sure. to release it. So are there any books or podcasts that you recommend? So I've got a great podcast that I'd recommend uh, called War on Cars. And the title is a little bit of a joke. It's a reference to a, a former mayor of Toronto who is very uh, like Trumpian in his politics and his like behaviors. Um, who like talked about like putting in like a single bike lane on some street as being a war on cars. Um, but so the podcast is based out of New York and they talk about all different things, but a lot of it's just about, um, making our streets safer for everyone. Um, and it's not really anti-car. Um, it's really just about making the safest streets we can and about not having needless traffic deaths in the United States, traffic deaths, uh, take more u- years of, of the, the term is useful, which I feel is a little bit like utilitarian, but just in terms of like a lot of other things that kill a lot of people are happening to older people. So if you look at like the expected number of years they would have left, mm-hmm. it's fewer years, whereas traffic deaths like are the leading cause of like teenagers and like a lot of other younger age groups in the United States. So in terms of like expected years that someone might have traffic traffic deaths actually take more of those years than anything else in the United States. Really? And the fact wow. that like we just accept that for the lar- for for the most part is is something that they talk about a lot on this a lot on mm. that podcast and how to make it so that this isn't happening all the time. Yeah, very interesting. We'll have to check that out and have that in the notes. And I'd be curious what they think about roundabouts. I, I don't know if they've discussed that okay, specifically. That would but be a one good of topic. the one of those <laughs> podcasters has used bubbler bikes. Oh, really? Okay, so that's fine. Okay, (laughs) that's great. Great to hear. (laughs) We'll definitely have that in the notes. And lastly, how can listeners reach you? Um, You can email me at james at bubblerbikes.org, J-A-M-E-S at B-U-B-L-R-B-I-K-E-S.org. Perfect. We'll have that listed too. Well, I appreciate your time so much sharing your story and all the great things that Bubbler's doing in wellness and sustainability for the community. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.